You're listening to Daily Notes, presented by Home Sideways. On this episode of Daily Notes, we talk about two of the biggest blockbusters from 2012, and also a little small film that I've held hostage for like four years of Todd's. So let's dive into it. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I drink your milkshake. If you only knew the power of the dark You have my curiosity. Now you have my attention. This is how I win. Shall we begin? Hey everybody, welcome back to the Almost Sideways Movie Podcast. My name is Adam. These are my daily notes where I have fun conversation about films. And today I do have a special guest, and that is Mr. Terry Plucknett. How are you doing, man? Doing good, doing good. It, it, it's it's good to, to join you on the daily notes. Uh, we've been doing the sideshow pretty yeah. consistently now for, for a few months working through Barry, but uh, but now now I get to join in with uh, with your side gig here, so it, it's good. And I've been consistent with that for like three months now, so I'm I'm pretty I'm yeah. pretty excited. <laughs> it's nice. Uh, today we are talking about 2012, so of course we're talking about the Avengers. We're talking about the Hunger Games for the biggest blockbusters, but we're also talking about a little small film called Holy Motors, which I've oh. I've literally had that DVD for like three years, I think, <laughs> or that Blu-ray of Todd's. I, I hope you had the same experience I did, and now feel completely dumber for having seen it. So yeah, um... we, we, we will uh, share those thoughts later. <laughs> uh, yeah, this, it's going to be a fun one. It's definitely, uh, has, as Todd put it, it's bigger, bigger, obscure. That's how this episode is shaping up to be. So. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah, so, I don't know. if I don't know if Holy Motors, that might be the biggest disagreement Todd and I have ever had because it's his number one of the year and it's my worst of the year. So yeah, that's, that's pretty big. <laughs> yeah, pretty big. you can't really get much, much more than that. So yeah. So today we are going to do something a little different than I normally do it because we do have Terry here and we like these deep dives. I think this is the perfect film to have Terry on for the Avengers. So we're going to do a a full fledged, almost sideways deep dive on it as best we can. We're not doing the recasting or the trivia or anything like that, but we will be doing some 2012 box office trivia at the end of the episode. So make sure you guys stay tuned for that as well. So uh, Terry, any little quick little uh things you want to say about any of the three films before we dive into the avengers i I think this is a great uh combination of films that you've got here to represent 2012 um Mm -hmm. you've got you've got the avengers which is one of my favorite films of that year it was in my uh it was in my top 100 of all time i was just looking up to see where exactly it fell it fell number 97 and so uh so it's one of my favorite films of the year You've got Hunger Games, which is one of Zach's favorite films. Yeah. Irrationally, one of his favorite films of 2012. I still don't understand why he has this <laughs> weird love for this movie. Uh, and then you've got Todd's number one of the year in Holy Motors. So you've got a great range of uh, spanning the eclectic tastes of the almost sideways crew uh, in, yeah. in your in your three selections. Yeah, so when I obviously I've been trying to stay true to this like the year and going back and revisit stuff, but I was going through and I was like, wait, I haven't done any 2012 movies at all this year. And I was like, I gotta figure out what to, I, I gotta add a third movie to this lineup. So I was like, I'm gonna go with Hunger Games. I think that's a that's a movie that definitely needs to talk about. It definitely spawned a, a franchise and it's probably one best known for being one of the young 
the best young adult adaptations out there too. So, mm-hmm. and then the Avengers, I don't think the other guys would like to do a deep dive on that, but I'm like, I'm going to get Terry. on. We're going to talk about it. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right. Without further ado, this is the Avengers. You were made to be ruled. In the end, Will be every man for himself. What do we do? We get ready. There was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people. So when we needed them, they could fight the battles that we never could. Gentlemen, what are you prepared to do? No offense, but I don't play well with others. Big man in a suit of armor. Take that away, what are you? A genius, billionaire, playboy, philanthropist. can't protect the earth you can be damn sure we'll avenge it dr banner your work is unparalleled and i'm a huge fan of the way you lose control and turn into an enormous green rage monster thanks The Avengers is PG-13. It's two hours and 23 minutes. It's directed by Josh Whedon. And the screenplay is written by Josh Whedon himself based off the story by Zach Penn. It has an all-star cast, a very A-list cast to be exact, with Robert Downey Jr., Chris Evans, Scarlett Johansson, Jeremy Renner, Mark Ruffalo, Chris Hemsworth, Tom Hiddleston, Samuel L. Jackson, to say the least. (laughs) There's more people in there. Trust us. so I guess the first question I really want to dive in uh, to the movie is because this is a top 100 movie, uh, Terry. What do you when you first watched it? Did you think that this is going to be one of the, your favorite movies of all time? I when I first watched this, I was so blown away by how well they were able to pull this off. Big question mark. Yeah. Going into it. Yeah. And and it was it, it was such a hyped movie. And I mean, you got to remember, this was like very, very beginnings and infancy of the of the uh, MCU. You had you had Iron Man, Hulk, Iron Man 2, Thor and Captain America. That was it. That, that, that's that's it. all we had had. And Disney now plus throw, what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now we're going to throw the Avengers out there and put them all together. And it, it, I've always been. I've always been a superhero fan, but I was never like a comic book guy ever, mm-hmm. but yeah. I love the movies and yeah. this one as it, I going into it, I, it was hyped up, but at the same time, like it can't actually work. And everything about this movie worked. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the team up work, the chemistry between the, the, the uh, characters, the, the sharing of, of uh, screen time and, 
and just sharing the load between all the actors. Uh, the simple, fairly simple story at the heart of it all. Yeah, pretty much. And yeah. uh, and how they're able to build this up and make it make it what it was. Everyone got their chance to shine. It's big. It's beautiful. It's just. It, I was just so in love with this movie right away. Mm-hmm. And as I kept thinking about it, you know, last year we did our top hundreds like this. This movie had to be on the list because it was just so well done. And I, I, I think back to those simple times of the MCU. So and now I look at where they're at now and I don't I don't know what's going on. But th- this was. This was like, uh, the, like where everyone realized this is gonna work. Yeah, the MCU is gonna be is gonna be a, a big thing, and now they're trying to recreate it, which I don't think is gonna work. But <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely night and day from where it started and where it's at now. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's stuff that I liked from phase we're in phase four now and this is the, the culmination of phase one this Avengers film but phase four there was some stuff I liked about it but overall it's it was a head scratching and, and little segment of you know the Marvel MCU I haven't seen Black Panther 2 yet but I'm looking forward to seeing it and uh, I, I liked some of the TV shows like I, I thought Miss Marvel was fine She-Hulk got a lot of hate for it but kind of enjoyed a little bit of that and i'm behind on the tv shows there's there's too i think it's oversaturated right now so it's like i think they should have taken a couple years off after endgame to be honest with you mm-hmm. uh, yeah that's what i thought but uh anyway a lot of it leading up to like especially endgame is, is awesome and it, we'll dive i don't want to go too much into mcu right now because i know next year I already have a couple episodes planned. I have a 2008 episode with we're going to talk about Iron Man. We're talking about the Incredible Hulk. I sure. think Avengers Infinity War is going to be discussed next year, too. I think but it's anyway. more that really you were talking about the oversaturation. I mean, mm-hmm. five movies in four years leading up mm-hmm. to Avengers. I mean, ju- just just think about that. And, and yeah. I mean, right now we have like five. I mean, we have what, like three or four movies a year and two or three TV shows a year shows, coming yeah. out for the MCU. So you're talking oversaturation. They kept it simple at the start. I think yeah, this year I, we had. Yeah, they, they need to, to get back. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think what movies we had this year. There was like there was Doctor, Doctor Strange, Strange, Black Thor, Panther, Black Panther. Yeah. And then you had in TV show, you had Moon Knight. You had Miss Marvel and She-Hulk all come out. That's six properties like in one year. Yeah, it and the man, and especially Moon Knight. That's an hour long episodes too. That's yeah, yeah. Where yeah. Anyway, that's uh, we're we're not here to discuss that. We're here to discuss the adventures. I knew that was gonna exactly. Happen, but, yeah. I, I mean, it it, ha- it has to happen because I mean that they've become so intertwined. Mm-hmm. But I exactly. think this what makes this one so great is how well it stands alone. Uh, you this is more than any other potentially more than any other movie in the MCU besides like, I would say all of phase one, all of Mm -hmm. phase one uh, are standalone movies. You could watch without having seen another Marvel movie. You could watch any of those. And I think Avengers is a per is the best example of that, where you have all this that has built up to this, but I don't think you need to know what's going on to understand 
Avengers. That is true. Yeah, which I is great. See that. Yeah, I definitely agree with that point. Um, and I will share kind of my some of my thoughts on the Avengers when I first saw it. Um, definitely the culmination of the five years of films that to make this ultimate team. I was really uh, excited to see it. I remember seeing it in the pack crowd just hyped out of their minds for it, especially a lot of the cheering for a lot of the, the moments and seeing some of their favorite characters. Uh, I remember wondering how the Avengers movie was going to work with so many different characters, but they kind of really silenced my doubt when I was watching, because I think everything worked well, like, like you were saying, and I, it's the movie paid off. in such a, um, it paid off so much because it's still considered a, a top five MCU film for me. And obviously it's number one for you. And I think my favorite one is Captain America Winter Soldier. But and then I think the Infinity War and Endgame and Guardians is up there as well. But I think I have Endgame above Avengers. But yeah, those are those are the top two for me. Yeah, it's 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 great. Like I definitely think it stands alone. And now we're getting so many more characters, which is awesome. I like to see different characters and seeing new things and places they go, but it, it gets a little uh a little hard to follow at times now, but this is back where it was simple and it was easy to follow. And we have some great character moments. So uh, what things, if you're looking back at the film, what kind of things really stood out to you as some, some of your favorite like moments or character stuff, what kind of things did you like about it the most? Um, I, it, it's great when you see the characters meet each other for the first time. Like any of those moments, like there, there's the battle of uh, of Iron Man and Thor as they're fighting over who's gonna have be in control of Loki. You have Shakespeare, Shakespeare in the park. <laughs> Shakespeare in the park. Yeah. Where are uh, what was it? Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was the line I was trying to think of. Uh, but that that's great. Um, I love the the uh, the banter with with Loki um and uh and natasha and when we first see natasha that's always that's a great scene too mm -hmm. uh i think once the battle starts anything that's taking place in stark tower is fascinating whether it's it's the uh the showdown between stark and loki or you've got uh you know loki trying to manipulate hulk and and puny god yeah that's uh, I, I mean there, there's Although there's so many great, just memorable moments, and of course the shawarma, the shawarma burger. All yeah. hail the shawarma! But uh, yeah, it, it's when the it's when they're allowed to interact with each other. I think when, is when this works the best. Agreed. I, I definitely like the interactions between all the characters, and of course, let's not forget this is the first time we see Thanos in the post-credit oh. sequence as well. Definitely a different version of Thanos. <laughs> Uh, but it's really cool to see our big bad guy. And I remember when that broke, it's like, who the heck is this guy? We're trying to research it and as best we can on the internet. But that's, you know, 2012, yeah, the internet was a big thing, but not you don't get as much information as you do today of all the different characters and stuff gets spoiled with you, like in a blink of an eye. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but yeah, I, definitely when they're inter interacting with each other, those are some really awesome moments. I like the Hulk and Thor and a lot of the little fighting sequences in New York was awesome. Uh, can you think of anything that necessarily uh, is a negative on the movie or anything like that? Cause I, I have one thing after rewatching it, 
I can never remember how this movie starts. Like for whatever reason, I can I never remember that it's it takes place in Shield headquarters and yeah, and they're and they're playing with the Tesseract and yeah, I totally forget about showed, that. Oh yeah, no, I remember that. Uh, and I, I actually did not get a chance to rewatch it for this conversation, mm-hmm. but I it's one of those movies that I've seen enough and has is imprinted enough on my brain. Yeah. I, I haven't seen it that many times, but I just I just know this movie really well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just good. One, I'd say one thing that I always, I get it makes sense and it works, but I always felt like Hawkeye got a raw deal in this movie. Oh, yeah, he got a whole, he's got a raw deal the whole MCU. Yeah, but especially <laughs> here, and I think maybe that's why you they focus, they try to focus on him more in, in Age of Ultron, is mm-hmm. because he shows up and he's like, he's one of the bad, one of the baddest Avengers you got, and he ends up getting mind controlled by loki like instantly and half the movie he's a bad guy it's like well dude this is a cool character why are you gonna take him from us for for half the movie i mean it works and i get it but that that's always been one thing of like man poor clint yeah poor clint yeah he yeah definitely uh half the movie he's in that trance uh it was funny to so many years later after all these movies have come out, you people like pick apart because there's so many different movies now and storylines. There's a line in Avengers um in game no Infinity War that says uh Eb- I think Ebony Maw's character who just like they just destroyed Thor's ship and they said no other person has ever held two infinity stones. But didn't Loki do that the whole entire movie? <laughs> he had he had the Tesseract and the staff, which both had infinity stones in it he he ne- true but he never but he didn't like he didn't handle the actual act yeah he didn't actually well he had the test rack in his hand but he didn't break it up to actually have that gem in it in his hand i guess that's the loophole oh, right there that's, that's a good point i never thought of that because he, he was helped but i guess the, the the specter would have been the the shield on the the gym or the infinity stone so I guess there is kind of a well. They t- technically didn't touch it with his hand because that's we clearly see what happens in Guardians when they touch it with their hand at the end of yeah. that movie. But I don't know. That's just nitpicking. I don't know. I, I saw that on the internet. I was like, I just want to throw that out there. It's kind of funny. It's an interesting point. I hadn't I hadn't thought of that before. Yeah. Um, any other spots you want to like highlight from your uh, watches or anything like that? Um. I think it the final battle lasts forever, but I think it's glorious in how much it la and how long it lasts. I know some yeah. people one of the issues they have with with the uh, especially MCU is when you have these these giant overblown battle sequences that last forever and they're so chaotic you don't really know what's going on. I don't know. This one works for me. I, I've always I've always lo- loved how this ends and and you've got a you've got a na- uh, a faceless foe but it, they're aliens so who cares it works they, yeah they don't <laughs> become quite they become more they have a face later on pretty much but yeah yeah I like I like the ending battle sequence I think it's kind of pretty realistic that they would probably I don't know if necessarily they would nuke the whole city based off that I don't I don't know how that would work but yeah uh, yeah that's the one thing but other than that though, it's a it's a very entertaining high quality I- installment in this mcu considering you know how, where we were at and uh 
only having the five movies. So very solid entry here. But let's jump into our our categories that you guys do. So if this is yeah. the first time listening and you don't you only listen to my show, awesome. But listen to the other podcasts. They do some really fun deep dives. Uh, so they do categories here. So are the highest war uh, per- performance here? Who's the highest? Who gets your highest war? Downey, Robert Downey Jr. Because I, 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 really, what you're talking about is who is the who is the best fit mm. of all these guys for the role? Robert Downey Jr. is Tony Stark. Like yeah. it's not he's not acting. That's just who he is. And and they're they're all great in the roles that they have, but nothing quite fits a, like a glove, quite like Robert Downey Jr. playing mm-hmm. Tony Stark. It, it it is the the it, the reason the MCU exists is because they started off with the best possible casting for that and a risky casting too. It was risky. it was very risky. Uh, I mean, he he was kind of he was not a big deal at the time. Like he had mm-hmm. just done what, like kiss, kiss, bang, bang and Zodiac. He was, he had yeah. resorted to being this like quirky side character guy. And now you're going to hand over the, the keys to this, this whole thing to him. And it worked because that's just who he is. And considering that Iron Man, technically it's like a, not like an A-list superhero. He, he became an A-list superhero because of the films, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, think, think lot- about what, what else happened in 2008 for Robert Downey Jr. He got a Best Supporting Actor nomination for Tropic Thunder. Like, that's where his <laughs> career was before he got Tony Stark. He, he, was, he was just a random character actor that was super quirky. And... He found the quirkiest of quirky uh, leads to play, and it was perfect. Yeah, exactly. He's a fool playing a fool dressed as another fool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the dude uh, playing a dude disguised as another so dude. Another dude. <laughs> a good call there. I think that was kind of, that's kind of a given one. I do have Tom Hiddleston down as Loki. I think uh, that he's the other one that people absolutely love, and he, his, his character's still going strong. You just Loki, can't kill him. <laughs> you can't. Uh, He's they've tried several times. Uh, they've definitely tried to kill this character. Uh, but Loki, I actually really like Loki season one. I thought that was a really uh, definitely a little slower show, but it's very interesting. I like the show a lot and uh, excited to see what they do for season two. Yeah, possibly um, the most essential piece of MCU in, in phase four so far, I think. So far, agreed. Uh, really solid show. Show. So I think Tom Hiddleston does a really good job, but I think agree with your pick of Robert Downey because that's one thing that MCU is definitely missing is his character because he's kind of been tied to like Spider-Man. He's been tied to Captain America movies. And I think him not interacting with like a Charles Xavier or a Mr. Fantastic, it's going to be sad not to see. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. I think seeing interact with those two characters, considering Robert Downey, Iron Man, Tony Stark was a part of the Illuminati, which is in the comic book storyline. Oh, def- yeah. yeah. So he was part of it. So having them interact with those different characters, it's it's going to be missed. It's, I think I think they bring him back at some point. I think e- even if it's a, like him being Jarvis, I think they're bringing him back at some point. Yeah, you, you it, it has to happen in some way. Yeah, especially when they're going to deal with Kang, the t- guy with time and secret. I think they're coming. He's coming back at some point, but. They brought, All right, good. they brought back good. Patrick Stewart. They, they, they could definitely bring bring back Downey. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, okay, 
so we always do. Who did Nicolas Cage play in this movie? Who would Nicolas Cage play in this movie? I got a great pick. Go for it. I got Georgie Luckroff, the guy inter- uh, interrogating Black Widow. Like, he's like, this guy's giving me everything. He's like, I'm not giving him it. I didn't give her anything. <laughs> I think him as that guy doing that uh, that Russian mafia guy or mobster guy or whatever. I think that would be perfect for Cage. I'd love to see uh, a Nicolas Cage Nick Fury. That could be interesting too. Wouldn't that wouldn't that be interesting? I could I could see that working. Um, I think there's a there's a point where like if this was like early mid nineties, he could be Bruce Banner. Oh, that's a good one too. I'm always angry. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, that's good. Good. Uh, uh I can see it. I can see it. I can see it too. I kind of want to see it now. Jeez, make it happen. Make it a variant. Make him a there variant. There we go. Let's there go. We go. Do that um, de aging you did in unbearable weight of massive talent. And yeah, you don't. Love you don't it. even have to use CGI. I just want to see Nicolas Cage's face being Hulk. <laughs> just, have him, just have him be like Lou Ferrigno. Just paint him green. Just get. Exactly. <laughs> um, who's the worst performance in this movie? Um, all right. Worst performance. I was thinking about this. I was looking through the cast list and I am going to go with, uh, with, uh, where did he go there? Stone Skarsgård is Selvig. I've Mm. never been a big fan of him in this role. I don't think it necessarily fits. Um, Mm. I don't know why, but he just, it just doesn't feel like it, it fits him. Um, he he's got a he, yeah i don't know i i just don't buy by him in that role and if you're gonna pick one it's that that's the one you could have picked so many other people to play a mad scientist why why are you picking stellan skarsgård he feels too old to be talking about the things he's talking about like from the <laughs> from the get-go and then you and then you realize and then you notice that he's you know changing his voice to adjust the accent and everything. And he's one where it never really quite works right. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, he does a lot of whispering in this movie. He does. He does. Yeah. Uh, I have Chris Hemsworth as Thor. Like, I just, it's that time of the Shakespearean Thor, the Kenneth Branagh Thor movie was not, it's not one of my favorites. I'm not a big fan of Thor, the dark world either. I think that's my favorite MCU film. That might be my worst. Okay. That in Iron Man 2 and Captain Marvel are kind of like my bottom. Three. I love Iron Man 2. Iron Man 3 sucks, but I love Iron Man 2. I've been more partial in Iron Man 3, but <laughs> it's it's definitely bottom tier for me as well. But the uh, yeah, it's Chris Hemsworth, uh, I don't know. I, I, I like where he was at Thor in Thor Ragnarok and in Avengers Endgame and Infinity War. I like that kind of Thor. I'm not a big fan of Love and Thunder, but uh, at least he's not like bleached eyebrow thor that's what that's where i'm at so I, yeah I, have... I i i think the first two thor movies are are not good but i feel like this is i, I always thought that that first thor movie especially exists so he could be in this and he had mm. a had a role that fit in this and mm. he it's weird but he works um mm. and it 
and so yeah I, I i see what you're saying i don't necessarily think it's the performance as much as it is just where the character was at at the time yeah that that's a good that's a good way to put it that's a good way to put it i, I agree with that and you see little moments where it, it, it's like okay there's the thor we're gonna come up like the the line of uh of you attacked my brother and it's like he tried to kill all of us he's adopted <laughs> yeah and that, that little line like that's like that's that's where thor's going that's where thor's gonna end up is is having things like that mm. Bana! yeah <laughs> <laughs> it, it is uh it, still i like seeing thor interact with all the characters it's definitely uh it's definitely fun, entertaining, but you can, like you said, you get to see where he's going. He's just not there yet, so he's in kind of in a transition point. But for me, it's just he's the one that's definitely the most jarring because a lot of the other characters are pretty much the same, but he's just not there yet. <laughs> well, and and it, what's interesting is here you've got so many different fish out of water that are mm. having to interact with each other, yeah. and 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 then watching Tony Stark steer the ship that they're that the. <laughs> that they're in it makes it that much more amusing yeah it doesn't play well with others <laughs> um, <laughs> uh minor character of the the movie uh the minor character of the movie uh this guy's playing galaga this guy's got throw it out there <laughs> that that that's my that's my favorite minor character the, the guy who's guy. sitting there playing galaga how, how does one. how does Nick even see over here? He, he turns. turns, and then there's a... yeah, <laughs> the guy playing Galaga. That's my favorite. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned my character actually. He turns. I got Maria Hill played uh... by Chloe Smolders. Uh, so my wife actually pointed this out. So I give give her full credit for this. So if you think about it, Maria Hill, Clint Barton, they've probably worked together for a long time in Shield, right? Mm-hmm. And when Samuel or Nick Fury said, it's Clint, he he attacked or whatever, something like he basically he's Maria Hill didn't hesitate and ask questions. She turned around and tried to shoot at him like right away. Yeah. And that's probably they probably have some kind of relationship, but she had didn't hesitate. So I have huge respect for Maria Hill in this movie now. And I'm like, that's a great point. I didn't think about that. So she's kind of a kind of a badass for doing that. It's like, oh, I don't I have a job to do. I gotta do my job. I don't care if I have a relationship, friendship with you or not. So gotta go with Maria Hill here. Yeah, she's, she's definitely not... an interesting character. Mm -hmm. Um, I will say though, it took her a while to develop for me. Like mm -hmm. she would have been my second worst performance. Um just just because it the character was still getting going to me yeah. i had trouble looking at her and not seeing robin jabotsky from how i met your mother Ruckles, yeah <laughs> yeah it, it it doesn't it didn't quite work mm -hmm. but her character develops into something really cool later on just in this movie mm -hmm. yeah if i was I gonna throw think... out another oh go ahead go ahead mm -hmm. good no i just think the, yeah I, I definitely agree with those points i just that little thing that my wife said i was just like that's a great point like i didn't, would never have thought about that that character had just went there and did her duty. Didn't care about the friendship thing. So I got give props for that. So. All right. A couple other uh, minor characters I want to throw out there. Uh, the cop who uh, is trying to tell <laughs> off Captain America. Like, who are you? What are you saying? How are we? Why, why should we be listening to you? And then he takes out like three of them. He's like, okay, we need a guy over there. We need a guy to do this. We need to block off all of this. 
that, that, yes. that was pretty great. I love it. And then the uh, other one is is Harry Dean Stanton as a security guard. Harry Dean Stanton. Okay. Like yeah, who, which one was he, he's the which... one that finds uh that finds Bruce after he uh Oh yeah, guy. yeah. Good call, good call. Yeah. Uh yeah, I, I mean and it's Harry Dean Stanton, who's just the the greatest. Uh I hate to tell you something, but uh you got a condition. <laughs> uh it's <laughs> it's a great little tiny scene. And it's it's made so much better the fact that it's it's like ninety year old Harry Dean Stanton that's that's cleaning up, and he's got a lot of cleanup to do now because the Hulk just fell through the ceiling. Yeah, through the ceiling. I gotta also throw out Stanley in this episode as well. It's definitely of course you have to throw mention Stanley as well. Uh, superheroes in New York, ah, yeah, whatever type of thing. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Uh, I was like, I couldn't remember for the last, like, what's his cameo in this movie? And then I was like, oh, wait a second. At the very end, that's where the cameo is at. That's plays perfect. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good spot for it. All right. Stick man. Who's our stick man? <sighs> it's kind of tough. Is it, is it Tony Stark, but he's in a relation, a committed relationship now, but I, I think there, there's a, there's only one answer. And his his first name is Agent, uh, because he has a cellist on the side. Ah. And uh, I think that's that's where we got Bill. His name's Phil. not Bill. His no, name is Agent. Agent. Uh, yeah, he, he's Another got. He's I got a forgot about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you, I think you got to go with that. You got to go with that. Agent Phil Colson. There we go. I'm I don't even know what this mention. gun does. <laughs> i just i just have it yeah great character too i love phil uh i still don't uh, understand how he didn't die in this but oh, did you ever watch agents of shield so he did die in this uh he did they brought him they uh did some kind of like i i can't i saw like the first like five episodes of Agents of Shield, and it was. I did at one point too, and I forget how it went, but it's definitely. I don't think it's necessarily is him. He's not like really alive, but that I like, they, like resurrect they, him in some way. Yeah, I think that the, the MCU is loosely tied because I think Lady Sif appeared on the show one time, and yeah, I, I love that character. He he he's perfect for it because he's so deadpan. Yeah, and that's and, makes, that's why it's so perfect. Yeah. And I, I'm glad he's been able to pop back up in other stuff like Captain Marvel and and mm-hmm. things like that, where he just kind of wanders his way back in, and it's good. It would be nice to have him appear later on. Like they're dealing with time, he could definitely show up at some point. I think mm-hmm. I would love to see it. Yeah. I guess Stickman, I'll throw this out there too. He does carry a staff most of the movies, so I definitely got to go with Loki. Um, <laughs> yeah, I see what you did there. Okay. <laughs> Low hanging fruit, not as funny as I thought it was. Okay, uh, how, how about the douchebag? Who's the do uh, the Billy Bats douchebag? Oh man, I feel Another. like there's there's a lot, but there that, that makes it tough. Who do you have? I had Tony Stark. Ah, I don't know, but also I can kind of see Thor, but she's just like that speaks in that Shakespearean way. It makes him feel like he's far superior than everybody, but I don't know. It, it, it's definitely a, this is definitely a tougher one to come up with. I feel. Uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to say Nick Fury is mm. the douchebag. They needed the push. 
Oh, that's a good move. Yeah. 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 It's like the, you're, you're going to lie to them about y- your fallen comrade just so you could inspire them to do what you want them to do. It's those cards were in his locker, not in his pocket. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're vintage. Vintage. Yeah, you got a whole set. <laughs> <laughs> do you mind if I sign them? Can, can you sign them for a little bit? Got a whole set. <laughs> uh, but uh, like the, the joke is set up perfectly by Black Widow saying, has he got asked you about his trading cards yet? Talked to you about his trading cards yet or something like that? Uh, <laughs> That's great. Uh, best scene. Best scene in the movie. Best scene. Uh, ooh, I, all right. I have my best scene. And then, and I'm, it's going to, uh, to counteract something that you just said. My Uh-oh. best scene is the showdown with, uh, with Tony and Loki. It's like I have an army. We have a Hulk, uh, and and just yeah. th- this whole thing, and, and it, it's it's so like the 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 matching of wits there is mm. is great. And great here's what pairing it yeah. is. It is now. Here's what I'm gonna say of how your your stickman pick of Loki is complete BS because he's having performance issues. Um, <laughs> that, that's I, I set that up for you. That's what I did <laughs> you did. You did. But it's just like. How are they going to be it stop me when they're too busy fighting you? Clink. <laughs> performance issues. Clink. Great. I mean, performance issues. Yeah. yeah. That, that's... Don't feel bad. Yeah. Don't, don't feel bad. <laughs> Normally, <laughs> this works. That. Uh, I would say another one that you could go with is uh, I'm trying to think of something. We haven't talked about Cap at all. And, oh, and, that is true. And Captain America is 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 such a great part of this, and does some does some great things. So I would say, uh, like when the when the Hella aircraft carrier first emerges, and you like hands, you know, here's here's ten bucks. Uh, I that that's a great moment too. But he he's so essential to everything that's going on here. Um. Or when, or when, okay, when Hulk, the motorcycle, comes up, and well, this all looks awful, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and you see them all together for the first time. It's like it'd be great for you to get angry right now. It's like that's my trick. I'm always angry, and like just the the moment where they finally like this is us. We're going for it, and Cap's calling out the orders, and Hulk, smash. smash. <laughs> yeah. yeah good stuff that, that's what i got I, I i listed off like five scenes but yeah you listed at half my, my half of my choices <laughs> but okay um <laughs> uh let's see here captain america that's a great a great choice there uh, he understood the reference um he understood that reference great understood one. that reference yeah the uh trying th- try to think something different here well, mine mine originally was the Hulk's secret is he always always gets angry, so that that punch definitely solidified them as a team. Mm-hmm. So that whole tracking shot where they all go around for the first time, every Avenger film has to recreate that mm-hmm. at some point. Put all characters in the one shot, which is awesome. I think that's an iconic shot that the MCU plays over and over again because it's so good. It is. Um, try to think scenes here. Um, the swarma swarma scene, which we mentioned before, 
that's a great little piece of scenery there. And I think that they filmed that after the fact. So they came they back did. and filmed it. So who, who was the actor that w- was filming something else? Was it like Chris was Evans. it Thor? Yeah, no, it was, it was Chris. Chris. So Evans. you had a couple of different things going on there that if you pay pay attention, one, yeah, Emsworth doesn't have a beard in that scene. Um, so so you can tell that it that it was filmed later. And then Chris Evans was filming, I think it was Snowpiercer. Oh, and so he had yeah. he had a beard. And so they like built this prosthetic chin for him to for him to wear, and it didn't quite work. And that's why if you watch the scene, he's just sitting there, he's not eating, and he's sitting with his hand on his on his face because he's holding his chin on. Um <laughs> Because if you nice. if you did anything else, the thing was gonna fall off. And you were gonna see that he had a beard, so he's holding his chin on and not eating, and everybody else is eating. And then if you look closely, Thor doesn't have a beard. Mm. Yeah, it goes by so fast. I need to pay attention to that. But that's that's yeah. awesome. That's that, that has the swarm up in credit sequence has to be mentioned there because that it's just it's great. The um, trying to th- what else? What else can I say that you haven't said already? Uh, I think also is that when you're the first arrival of Iron Man, when he takes down Loki, you got shoot to thrill playing blaring in the background with ACDC going on. And he comes in uh, freeze and Loki gives up and he says, captain or, or Stark. And he says, captain, I think that's yeah. a cool little, like intro to those characters. Mm-hmm. The Shakespeare in the park sequence is awesome as well. That little fight sequence between them. And, yeah, I think that's pretty much all. There's so many scenes here. It's probably some one of some other people's favorites that we haven't mentioned yet. But there's some. I think we knocked out some good choices there. Yeah, one more I'll throw out there that you mentioned earlier: the Natasha interrogation scene. Mm, yeah, is is pretty is pretty amazing. It's great, and another great Coulson moment is him sitting on hold while Natasha takes out the entire room of guys. That's <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a great one. Just. All right, I'll just wait. I'll just wait. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Are you done? Done yet? No, not, no, not done yet. Okay. All right. Yeah, I, it's great. Good stuff. All right. Uh, conspiracy theories. I do have one. I mean, so, they're Marvel, so of course there's going to be conspiracy theories. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> or maybe, maybe this maybe it could be a flaw though. Or okay, like, okay. Some, so Tony Stark has to move up this atomic or this nuclear bomb up into the the thing how come thor who can fly can't didn't help him out with that and he he could breathe in space that is a good point yeah i don't know or maybe like oh i see tony stark falling and i could go help him (laughs) well he almost did he almost did though like he he was he was like he's (laughs) he's not moving <laughs> and he's he's swinging his hammer around, and then Hulk comes out of nowhere and catches him. Yeah, but, uh, but still, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The fact that that had to be, I, I, yeah, it's poetic that it had to be Tony, but that is a good point because it sets up a Fincher's Age of Ultron. I get, I get, or you know, Iron Man three and stuff like that too. There's stuff with that, but yeah, I just I'm like thinking, watching. I was like, how come Thor didn't help? They're just like he's just staring at them. Like you could fly, and you could breathe in space. It's proven. Like that. What's yeah. going on? Yeah. And and he he's got access to the Bifrost, so he could he could go out there, do that, and then immediately get transported back. Uh, yeah. 
It's like it gets the biggest flaws. Idris Elba didn't want to be in the movie. That's the thing. <laughs> it's Idris Elba. There we go. <laughs> LVP. Idris Elba. Yeah. <laughs> For not wanting to reprise his role as Honda. For not being in the movie so that that could have been the ending. Uh, that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I thought I had something. And now I don't know. I think it's gone. Oh, well. Oh, well. LVP. Well, yeah, Adrice Elba. No, um, yeah. <laughs> L- pretty much LVP of the movie. Um, hmm. Let me think. You go. I first. got one. Yeah, Par- Paramount Pictures. Ah, uh, for not signing the Hulk back over. That's the whole reason why the Hulk is not the same Hulk, or or because. That's why you ha- won't have another Hulk movie because Paramount Pictures. He just keeps popping up. And Hulk is like Incredible Hulk is the one MCU movie not on Disney Plus. It's Yeah. But it's always that, it, that, that movie's always been considered like the the evil stepchild of the MCU because it's Edward Norton and he was immediately recast because uh, he didn't play well with others. Yeah, he didn't um, play well with others. So, I, so I, what does he do? He goes on and becomes the quintessential Wes Anderson actor, um, yeah. which is which is all about the the ensemble. Yeah, I, um, I, 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 love... I see that as just like the ultimate like screw you to the MCU. Is is I'm gonna go you know get Oscar nominations for being an ensemble cast the rest of my career. It's gonna be very interesting to see what they do with Secret Wars. This is way down the line, a couple couple years, but that. From what I understand is there's different variants of the characters that come out and fight each other. It would be awesome to see Eric Bana and Edward Norton reprise their roles as Hulk in that movie. Have a and have just, a whole Spider-Man moment there. With the Hulks. Yeah. Cause I suppose Kevin Feige wants to make it even bigger than Endgame. So having so many different characters like Wesley Snipes as Blade would be freaking awesome. Anyway, that's stop that's down chasing Endgame. That that's the biggest I know, that's issue the they thing. have. Mm-hmm. they try to make it they're and better. trying to chase what they've already done and they're never going to get it um uh, yeah. yeah uh lvp i don't know i i, I don't josh, have one josh we did no okay anyway. josh, josh, no i'm not gonna i'm not gonna go there i'm not zach yeah um <laughs> uh yeah i don't lv i mean loki it's tough loki mm-hmm. Loki's easy, an easy pick for an LVP. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'll go. Or look. the ha- or the handling of Clint B- or Hawkeye. There how we go. Handled, how they handled uh, Hawkeye. Mm-hmm. Or or the way. fact that you know this whole hypnosis thing, you just hit him hard in the head and it snaps him out of it. What? Yeah, that that's true. But you didn't hit like. But that's all. Um, Stellan Skarsgård still felt the effects in a different movie. Thor 2, he still had the effects of what's going on, what was in his head. That's true. That's true. The Hawkeye was fine <laughs> after this movie was over. Anyway, uh, MVP. I'm going with Agent Phil. Agent Coulson. Agent. The MVP. Agent. His name is Agent. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's a good one. That is a good one. I'll go with. I'm gonna go with Cap. I don't know if all this happens unless you got unless you got Cap there. Uh, I'm also gonna go with uh, with Tony Stark's snacks. 
that he uh, that he hid all over the all, all over the set and became a character in the in the movie. He's like um, Brad Pitt in Ocean's Eleven, the Ocean's movies, always eating, always exactly. snacking. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, one last scene I, I I wanted to shout out that we didn't mention. Possibly the most gruesome scene in the entire MCU is when Loki breaks into the museum and and uses the thing to rip the eyeball out. Oh yeah, yeah. dude. Totally that's like about that. that that I remember watching that I'm like whoa we're going there and he, and the look on his face as he's doing it maybe mm. Loki's the MVP he's LVP and MVP yeah he's really good people love him definitely mm-hmm. different when than where we started but I still enjoy the character yeah maybe because it's Tom Hiddleston all right and this also I guess we should mention too is also an Oscar nominated film for the visual effects forgot to mention that earlier so definitely uh give good props for the visual effects team there so kudos to them absolutely all right well that's kind of a given that you that that a a marvel movie has to get a visual effects nomination at this point (laughs) yeah it's kind of the caveat i think yeah you gotta have it all right so that's our deep dive review of the Avengers. So definitely one of the longer reviews for daily notes, but I absolutely was all for it. So I hope you guys enjoyed it as well. Uh, Terry, uh, I'm, we're, we're going to the Holy Motors. We're going to conquer the, uh, the smaller film before we talk about hunger games. Uh, you, quick, you do that. I will quick, not. <laughs> any quick little takes. I, I, maybe you just gave a take on Holy Motors. Don't spoil anything. I haven't watched it as the time we're recording it. Uh, I I've forgotten more than I remember about it. Thank God. That's it's a, it's a startling uh, recommendation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, off to Holy Motors, and Terry will be back at the end of the episode. Holy Motors, or should I say, holy cow, hold on a second. I need a drink. All right, we got some wine here. I don't know what I grabbed, but uh, I need a drink during this review here. So hold on a second. Cheers, everybody. All right, this film was directed by uh, Louis Carax. Written by Luis Carax. I, I know I pronounced that name wrong. I do apologize. Very creative director um, with, I guess, a lot of stuff to say. This film does star Denis Adenis Levant, Edith Scope, Eva Mendez, and Kylie Minogue. All right. So before I get too ahead of myself here, the synopsis on IMDb here says, A man boards a limousine. To be driven to his day's work, which are nine mysterious appointments that he must attend. All right. The film on IMDb has a score. Where is the score here? Uh, 
6.0 out of 47,000 uh, reviews. And I, on Rotten Tomatoes, which I don't refer to Rotten Tomatoes too much, but it does have a 92% of Rotten Tomatoes and a 71% audience score, which is probably the most telling number. Uh, 10,000 plus reviews for audience and only 196 reviews for critics. And on Almost Sideways, this is Todd's number one film of 2012. And Terry gave it one star on the website and it said it's his worst film of 2012. But what do I think? All I know is I poured myself a drink for a review. And I usually do these things sober <laughs> on my on my portions of the show. Okay. So, all right, let's, 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 let's dive in here. I, I did write some notes here. Uh, I, I guess one thing I definitely need to say is I did borrow this movie from Todd about three to four years ago, and I've been holding it hostage. So I do apologize. I finally watched it, Todd, and now I can give it back to you. So there's that. There's, there's probably the best thing about it. I can give the movie back to you. Uh, some things I really liked about the movie is that the second appointment that Mr. Oscar is on is in, it's kind of interesting. I was so curious about what they were actually filming because the, the, they walk in. He walks into this room and he has a bunch of like dots on himself, so he looks like he's doing some CGI kind of um, screen sh photo shoot or whatever. Um, my curiosity became more piqued when this female walked into the room. Then it became weird, and then they revealed what it actually was, and then I was like, "Oh, that did not go exactly where I was thinking it was going." It looked like a scene out of Avatar, but then it became even more weirder as it went along. So I'm like, "Okay, I'm I'm still following this movie. It's it's not too bad." And then all of a sudden, it gets a little to so the third appointment, and then Godzilla music uh, appears and starts playing, which is always a good sign. I really love the score of Godzilla. Really kind of liked it, and we're following Mr. Oscar, and he kind of looks like a, like a homeless leprechaun, and he's walking through a cemetery with this Godzilla music on. Okay, still on board for it. Take, take a sip here. And then then we saw that Eva Mendez is here for some odd reason, and Eva Mendez, you know, fantastic, beautiful uh, woman and everything. Uh, however, I don't know why she's in this movie, uh, because... She doesn't say really anything at all, and she gets basically be in a room with this with like poor man's leprechaun who does expose himself later on as well. It's kind of weird, but uh, even in does being in this weirdly fascinating is being in this movie is kind of fascinating. I don't know how she got in the movie. This entire scene with her and Mr. Oscar as this leprechaun-looking guy in the sewer, having wanted to see where they would go, and then I realized I typed this good portion a little too soon because it became a really bad really quick because yeah he exposed himself and it's laughable i was like what the hell am i watching at that point and then i'm like okay this is just a weird movie there's no real tied plot together uh, but we're gonna keep going with it we're gonna keep chugging along to see where it goes um then there's this random scene where they they play accordions and there's they, they're jamming out with these accordions and i thought that was pretty cool i thought that got back on after this weird there was a weird um, appointment that he had with this girl who he was saying that they were there. That was his daughter, and I was like, okay, this is kind of weird and depressing, and uh, it got kind of sad. And then all of a sudden, there's a, this accordion jam session. So I was kind of back into it for a second. That jam session was pretty cool. It had an awesome little beat to it. Okay, pretty on board again with it. And then, well, I guess one thing I should say is Dennis Levant uh, is doing something special with each appointment he makes. Uh, because he's putting on the makeup, he's doing all these uh, physical 
acting of some sort. And even though I might not understand what is happening, it's very obscure, very uh, French, uh, experimental, if you will. And so I don't really understand what ex exactly is going on. But he's doing something really good with it, I guess. And I'm not sure if I've ever seen an actor transform from scene to scene quite like he has. So I guess that's definitely saying something about the talented actor there. So I guess the makeup work also is incredible because he does transition from scene to scene. He looks like an old person he has. He looks like a homeless leprechaun at one scene. He looks like a hitman at one, another one. A lot of cool uh, makeup work there as well. So I think that's what I'll say about the positive. I think the wine is also really positive as well. It's a blackberry wine from Stella Rosa. So definitely check it out. I thought it was going to be something uh, really fruity, but it's actually pretty uh, quite nice. And um, good notes to it. Blackberry. Here we go. Sound Merlot. So that's always a good thing. Uh, but anyway, we're going to some negatives here. I'm really confused uh, by this movie. I don't understand exactly what it is. Uh, even when I did like certain things about it, uh, when it became in the cat, let's start off with that catacomb sequence first. The catacomb, Miss, uh, when he goes full frontal and sprinkles flowers on himself, I, I really did laugh, and I was like, "Well, you're really aroused as well." That's that, that's the most shocking thing, and I guess that's why uh, foreign films they can they do a little bit more than American films, and I guess that's the point. Um, and then I'm really left confused and wondering what was the point of all these weird appointments and who was Mr. Oscar working for and how did he know the people he interacted with. And I'm left with more questions than the movie even attempted to answer. And then they end the scene with the most random like animal cameo since Enemy with Jake Gyllenhaal where there's a giant spider at the end of the movie. Spoiler alert, I guess. Uh, but there's chimpanzees at the end of this movie. And they're calling him, like, darling, and, like, are, wait, are they supposed to be, like, the, his kids? What's going on here? So I, I'm really not quite sure what to do with the movie. Uh, and I, I'm thinking, of, as I'm thinking here, looking, thinking back about it, my only little thoughts of it is, is Mr. Oscar playing, is he playing an actor and... Or is he an actor getting paid to pl play different people and participate in their lives for these moments? Or is he a, a, an actor going through and doing all these weird acting jobs? Like, that's where I don't know. Because they do mention cameras. So, is he an actor? Is he doing these jo jobs weirdly? I, I really don't have any answers for this. Uh, and this is probably something I'll never watch again. Uh, but... I, I finally watched it. I finally can say I can give this back to Todd. So, uh, yeah. I'm taking another sip of wine real quick. Yeah. So, uh, give props to Mr. Uh, Dennis Levant there. Levant. And I give props to Todd for liking the movie a hell of a lot. And I'm going to go 1.5. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's where I'm at. Let's talk about the Hunger Games now. That sounds like a plan, right? We could do it, you know. Take off, live in the woods. They'd catch us. Well, maybe not. We wouldn't make it five miles. <laughs> welcome, welcome. The time has come to select.
selects one courageous young man and woman for the honor of representing District 12 in the 74th Annual Hunger Games. It's your first year, Prim. Your name's only been in there once. They're not gonna pick you. The Hunger Games is rated PG-13 and has a 2 hours and 23 minute runtime. Directed by Gary Ross, writers with the screenplay are Gary Ross, Susanna Collins, Billy Ray, based off the book written by Susanna Collins as well. It has an all-star cast starring Jennifer Lawrence, Joss Hutcherson, Liam Hensworth, Stanley Tucci, Elizabeth Banks, Woody Harrelson, Wes Bentley, Lenny Kravitz, Toby Jones, and Donald Sutherland. Just to name a few. There's more out there. We'll talk about them in a little bit. And the synopsis on IMDb, it's an action-adventure sci-fi film. The synopsis reads, Katniss Everdeen voluntarily takes the, her younger sister's place in The Hunger Games, a televised competition in which two teenagers from each of the 12 districts of Panem are chosen at random to fight to the death. Now, Hunger Games, I never actually watched this first film in theaters, but I do know of the massive uh, fan reaction of the franchise. A lot of people really loved the first couple films here, and even though I, I did read but watch all the films, and I did enjoy my time revisiting the films of Pan Am, for me, Hunger Games stands out as one of the better entries in this franchise. I'm partial to Hunger Games the Catching Fire, which is the second entry, but I have to give credit where credit's due. And I have to give props to The Hunger Games. This is a really solid film and solid entry into this franchise. A good kicking off, jumping off point, if you will. And I know Zach of our podcast really loves the first film. It's one of his favorite films from 2012. So got to mention that as well. And we got to talk about the young adult adaptations here. Twilight really kicked off the, um, this fad of young adult book adaptations. And The Hunger Games is probably remembered as being one of the better, if not the best adaptation to come out around this time as well. I think in 2012, Twilight Breaking Dawn Part 2 had just hit theaters or was about to hit theaters and was a massive financial success as well. Hunger Games did finish top three financially of 2012 domestic box office. So Twilight Breaking Dawn just ended. Hunger Games came in to kind of get more fans of young adult adaptations into the theater. Other notable entries into this kind of this genre of films was Twilight, of course, Divergent, The Maze Runner, The Giver. I guess the list goes on and on as well. Like I said, it is the third highest grossing film of 2012. And rewatching it, I got I pulled some really cool things out of it and I, things I really did like about the movie. So let's discuss that now. It's set in this dystopian future that really filled with lingering doom and uncertainty. I think really like that, especially the first I guess 30 minutes, there's really a good lingering of that doom, and each district really felt distinct and kind of set apart. We don't really, really see a couple districts here. I guess there's hints throughout the franchise as well, but that's one thing. I wish that we the movie would have done a little better, see each like tribute get picked. Possibly, I don't know how they would do it, because the movie is so long anyway. But I liked how the districts were set up and had the lingering doom throughout them as, too, as, as well. I really thought there was some really interesting side characters in here. Specifically, some of the ones I really liked a lot was Cinna, played by Lenny Kravitz. He was the costume designer. He was the one who 
made Katniss Everdeen's like outfits and really understated character here. I think he his performance is even better in the second film. You get to expand on his character a little bit more here, but really good jumping off part. I really wanted to know more about Cinna in this movie. Also got to go with Caesar Flickerman, who was played by Stanley Tucci. He was kind of the announcer. It was kind of the hype man for the Hunger Games. Toby Jones also would be tied into this character a little bit too. He's kind of like the broadcaster, if you will. So Caesar Flickerman is the Al Michaels of the Hunger Games, I would say. Uh, so really interesting character there. I think the performance is really big and uh, boisterous there as well. So Stanley Tucci is awesome in this character. One of the more memorable characters of the franchise. I think also another memorable character, Todd's wife, Elizabeth Banks here, plays Effie Trinket. Really crazy costumes, really uh, standout character when you think of the Hunger Games. You have to imagine that one shot when she's pulling out the character's name in District 12 and you see her in that all pink outfit. Really kind of stands out there and is very memorable, to say the least, in the franchise here. The opening of these these Hunger Games are very brutal. There's a lot of killing that happens right out the gate, and and it's definitely set up where a lot of killing does happen right away. So the opening of the game, it's got to give it credit. How it's shot, I'm not the biggest fan of it, that of that part of it, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. But the opening kills happen really quickly. And it's very brutal, right in your face there. So got to give it props for what it is. Uh, the tributes here, uh, speaking of the tributes who are going in and get picked for these games and getting killed off in the games essentially here, there's some familiar faces here. And I was watching this and I hadn't seen it for quite a few years now, so I didn't remember who was all in it. And I was like, that guy looks familiar. This guy looks familiar. I've seen this guy in this thing or this girl in this thing here. Let's, let's run them down right. I have four, a list of four people. There's probably other ones that I didn't I missed here, but these are the four uh, notable ones I definitely wanted to mention here. First off, we got to go with uh, Jack Quaid shows up here. I believe he was from District 2, I, I believe. But he, he's notable for being in The Boys, Scream 22, uh, the, the latest Scream entry, Logan Lucky. And he's going to be in the new Oppenheimer film coming out next year. Jack Quaid, really like him in The Boys here. So it was really kind of cool to see a little baby face Jack Quaid from 2012 pop up here. Pretty cool as well. He was the one that actually killed Rue off in the games here. Isabel Furman, uh, one of my favorite actresses too from last year, was she played in The Novice. She's also known for the Orphan franchise. She played an Orphan first kill this year as well. She's also been in Escape Room Tournament of Champions. So Elizabeth Furman, uh, really cool to see her here. Uh, another really uh, villainy type character that I just was like, wait, that's that's her. My wife picked up on that character quite a bit, really faster than I did. So uh, give props to her again in this episode. Also, we got Alexander Ludwig, who played Cato uh, in one of the, the main districts, one of the, the final guys to actually perish in the Hunger Games. And he plays, uh, he's known for the TV show Vikings and Lone Survivor. He played in Bad Boys for Life, as well as the, this really cool horror film called The Final Girls. Um, and then the last character who plays the character of Rue, I'm actress Amanda uh, Steinberg. She's known for The Hate You Give, The Darkest Minds, which is also a young adult adaptation that she got a kick off. I don't think that really went too far. And, and also, she played in the film this year called Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. So, really cool to see her because we just saw that Bodies, Bodies, Bodies a few months ago. So, kind of cool to see a younger actor kind of getting a really good shining spotlight this year as well. 
So really cool to see really talented actors getting their first starts here, and I really liked that a lot. So really cool to see familiar faces there. And I think the death of Rue is another really solid point we have to mention here. Amanda Steinberg here is a really good, subtle performance. She's really quiet, doesn't have a whole lot of dialogue, but her death in this film here really sparks conversations for the other movies too and definitely plays a big part in the franchise. I remember in 2012 that her death was kind of a big talked about thing among friends who had seen the movie. Yeah, so it's just as powerful watching it today as it was back in 2012. It's definitely a powerful moment in the the movie itself because the districts took notice of it. And a lot of uprising happened because of this character being so young getting killed off. And it was uh, also a beautiful moment, the interactions with, with Rue and Katniss Everdeen in the movie. I think the climax of The Hunger Games, the final segments, moments of the games here itself have to be meant, talked about as well. It's a sad revelation of kind of the bleak society that they're living in because now that the games are over, all the people got killed in there. They have to go back and kind to find some kind of meaning in their life and go back to the way they were beforehand. So really felt that bleakness when I was watching it this time here. And I think the death of Cato, which is Alexander Ludwig's character, also was interesting because he also knew that no matter what, if even if he air quotes wins these games, he really doesn't win in the long run. And I think that's some a point I was like, well, I need to pay attention to that because I know the second one goes back, it talks about the other victors of the games as well. And I don't want to see how they interact. And yeah, it definitely rings true where they actually didn't necessarily win the games. There's kind of held off and the capital kind of has to use those as a victors and they have to go through every year they have to go back and relive all the memories of what happened in the games themselves so i thought that was a really cool moment and i think the death of kato actually a lot better than i remember it being when i first watched the film and i think the challenge that katniss everdeen uh with the threatening to sacrifice himself with these berries that they do find that she was going to sacrifice herself and Peta, and having them kind of being kind of protests and then the games kind of stop. I thought that was a really strong moment that obviously had repercussions for the, her character and the franchise moving forward. So I thought that was awesome as well. And speaking of uh, Jennifer Lawrence, Katniss Everdeen's uh, Jennifer Lawrence, what a solid year that you had in 2012. It's a really big year. She had the hunger Games, She had silver linings playbook and she actually won best actress for silver linings playbook. So this was a huge year for her. And she also been nominated for other films like Winner's Bone from a few years earlier. And then American Hustle and Joy was also her nomination. So she just blossomed to this huge star shortly after The Hunger Games came out and several linings and stuff. So obviously she's been in the X-Men franchise and several big movies. But she, she really kind of blew up with The Hunger Games here. And I think another moment that I really liked here was the power of the three-finger salute that they do here. And whenever they put that up, it, it was, I did some research on this. So I, I do have something in here I want to read. It's a symbol of the, um, the finger, three finger salute is the symbol of Cadmus's homeland, District 12 here. And in book one, she explains it's a sacrifice. It's, it's significant. Oh. In the first book, I guess, Cadmus explains this, the salute here as a significance as an old and rarely used gesture used in funerals. And it's meaning it's it's thanks, uh, it's meaning thanks. It means ad admirations. It means goodbye to someone you love. Because of the symbol used, um, 
in the book was and the movies were so powerful and they were seen so much they actually been used in the real world kind of relating to the same kind of stuff and like the tyranny and stuff like that in different countries and so it's kind of the world is imitating the art of the book and the movies uh, very interesting that 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 how that plays out there uh, but re-watching it i do have some things i am negative on of the film as well i think the shaky cam footage especially in the first 30 minutes and some of the the final or the opening of the games too it's very headache inducing at least it, they take away from the Bourne franchise i feel like they kind of use what they used in the, the paul greengrass films the jason Bourne franchise there and they incorporated a lot of shaky cam footage in this it gets that feel like it's dystopian kind of this futuristic kind of stuff and a lot of action here but uh what it comes down to is i feel like you can't really see what's going on all the time during the footage. And it, like I said, I could give myself a headache watching it because it is so shaky. And you, it's, I, I don't know. I don't like the choice that they decided to do with it with that. And I think they really took the complaints of that and improved it in the second film and the franchise in general as well. I think also the relationship between Katniss and Peta is almost as bad as Bella and Edward from Twilight. Uh, I think Twi Edward and Bella are probably a, a little better because I've seen those movies a lot. My daughter really loves the Twilight movies right now, so I, we, those are on quite a bit at our house. Uh, but Katniss and Peeta, man, they were really just... I, I didn't like their chemistry at all. I think it boils down to the chemistry, quite frankly. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence and Josh Hutcherson, it's it's pretty bad. It's They don't seem to even care, and I get, get it, those the characters are kind of standoffish, but... For me, I, I just couldn't get behind those two characters and the chemistry. I, I don't like them on the on screen together, and maybe maybe it's because I'm not a Josh Hutcherson fan either. I think that has something to do. I don't think necessarily he has the best material to work with in this movie, and that could be definitely it. I'm sure he's a great guy, but for me, his movies have never been something that I definitely have to go rewatch. Re but for this one, I just it's kind of there's some stuff I definitely didn't really care for and. Fortunately, I didn't. The chemistry was definitely what it boils down to, and I think the big glaring thing is that there's a film in a Japanese film called Battle Royal that I feel like is a far superior film. Very similar concept here, but the book came out short. Uh, book came out a couple years after the film came out, Battle Royal, and then of course they make this one, and everybody thinks that this is like the quintessential like <laughs> a big battle movie, but. I Battle Royal was a lot more brutal. There's a lot more consequence to that movie, and you don't get just stuck with these. You have different weapons in there. Go watch Battle Royal. I think there's a lot that you can take away and then make you can see that that's a far superior movie. And I, like I said, I I did go back and rewatch the franchise. And I, my opinion did change on one of the films, and my, my I guess my ranking would be Catching Fire. That's the second book, second movie would be the, my first favorite, and then the Hunger Games. And then Mockingjay Part 1 and Part 2, I was kind of mixed on, and I actually ended up flipping them. Part 1 is going to be number 3 now, and Part 2 is number 2, or number 4. I guess one thing also, I guess speaking of Part 1 and Part 2, the one thing I didn't like about the franchise, and I think Twilight really did this first, is that they broke up the last book into two parts. They did a Part 1 of Twilight Breaking Dawn, and then Part 2 of part, uh, Breaking Dawn Part 2. Of course, that's what they did here, Mockingjay Part 1 and Part 2. Harry Potter did this as well with Deathly Hollows, part one and part two. And quite frankly, 
The Hobbit came out the same year as 2012, and The Hobbit broke down one book into three different parts. I feel like that is a trend that happened that I didn't like, and it just kind of get more money out of the consumers to each their own, I guess. And that's more of a, not a hit on the, the specific film, but I guess the uh, film, the, maybe the corporations that put the movies out and make these decisions as well. But anyway... Uh, that is my quick takes on the Hunger Games. I kind of really enjoyed my watch of this this franchise again. It's better in places than I remember, and there's things I didn't like about it, of course. But overall, a very entertaining watch and a good revisit as well. So if you haven't already, I think this film just or the whole franchise just dropped on Amazon Prime. So make sure you guys go check them out as well. And let me know what you think about it. Let me hit me up on Twitter at almost sideways. And now we're going to welcome back Terry because we're going to do some 2012 box office fun trivia. All right, Terry. So you're back here for the very final thing I wanted to touch on for this episode. We talked about two of the biggest blockbusters of the 2012 season. Uh Now, uh, think about 2012 movies, okay? I want to see how well you know them. I have the list of top 20 movies uh, that made domestic domestic money. Okay? This is all domestically. Top 20 films and the 2012 box domestic box office for 2012. Okay? I will tell you where the Avengers ranked. Any guesses, actually? Let's see. Two? Got number one. Oh, it was number was one. Number... Okay. 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 And Hunger Games is also on the list here. You're going to say that's like five? That is number three on three. the list. Okay. 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 So that's your two. That's the two episode the movies we talked about this episode. So okay. think about 2012 movies. I'm cheating a little bit. I'm looking at my list of what I've seen just to okay. give well, me that, some idea. Yeah. Perspective. Yeah. Well, it's, it's 10 years ago. So it's yeah, 10 years it's... ago. All right. Well, uh, Dark Knight Rises, I'm guessing, is number two. Number two, yes. Dark Dark Knight Rises. Uh, Then we're going to say Skyfall. Uh, Any guesses where that's at? So, four. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So So we got the top four done. Yeah. Uh, Number five, I'm going to say Amazing Spider Man. That was number six. Ah! I was working. I was going so well. Um, let's see here. What else is going to be in that grouping? Um, this is top twenty now. So just a heads top up. Top twenty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some interesting so, choices here. I could get, definitely tell you. Tell you that. I'm there is a movie throw... on this list that you and I have did a review for. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Um, Pitch Perfect. No. It's not in the top 20? Not in the top 20. Man, I thought that was going to be a good one. I thought so, too. Uh, 21 Jump Street. That's probably the one that we did the oh, review of. Uh, 22 Jump Street for this one. And that oh. was number... 22 Jump Street was number 18. Oh, I thought... Okay. So. Um, Then... Let's see here. Magic Mike. No. Oh, man. Snow White and the Huntsman. 
Snow White and the Huntsman, number 15. There we go. Now we're talking. Um, see, I'm looking at like my top movies. I don't think any of them were box office hits. Uh, oh, Hobbit. Unexpected Journey at number eight. Uh, let's see here. We're going to say... Uh, Wreck-It Ralph? Mm, no. Brave. Oh, I don't know. Wreck-It Ralph, number 13. My bad. 13. Brave. Seven for Brave. Okay. Um. So the movies you haven't seen, that's going to be the, the trickier part. Right, right. Uh, Prometheus. <clears throat> number 20. Okay. Ted. Number nine. Gosh, this. really? Yeah. Flight. Number f- negative. No, no, nothing on the list. No. Life of Pi? Nope. No, I didn't Not think no. so. See, that, that was one of the ones I was looking at. Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know if I would be able to do this list. There's a, some. There's some. Give really, me some hints. Give me some hints. There is a, a film that you just did an anniversary review for, that is part of a animated franchise. Part of the with a sloth and a, a mammoth and a saber tooth. Oh, tiger. Ice Age. I, <laughs> one of the Ice, Ice Age movies. Yeah, <laughs> Ice Age Continental Drift no. is number. Is number where is it? Number 14 on the list. Okay. And because we're talking about the Hunger Games, the young adult adaptation. Silver Linings Playbook. Oh, no. Young adult adaptation. Yeah. Young adult adaptation. That was ending their franchise with this film. Oh, Breaking Dawn Part 2. That was number five. Yes. There we go. Uh, we got a couple franchises here as well. We have a. Uh, a second entry in a franchise that has three films with Liam uh, taken two at number 17. I only ever watched the first one of those. <laughs> yeah, it's the better one. I only want to watch really. Um, there's a Steven Spielberg movie. Oh, Lincoln. Number 19. I'd fight Lincoln. I'll, <laughs> I'll fight him. Um, okay. Let's go over this list. Cause I think yeah. the other ones, it's just really obscure. Number 20, we got Prometheus, 19, Lincoln, 18, 22, Jump Street, 17, Taken 2, 16, Hotel Transylvania, gosh, 15, Snow White and the Huntsman, 14, Ice Age, Continental Drift, 13, Wreck-It Ralph, 12, Men in Black 3. Never saw that one. Yeah, I remember I going to the theater and two. saw that. Yeah, uh, 11, The Lorax. Oh wow! Yeah, ten Madagascar three Europeans Europe's most wanted. That's the never movie. saw a Madagascar movie. That, that one actually, if I remember correctly, that's one of my favorite ones. I'm not a big fan of that franchise though. Uh, nine is Ted. Eight, The Hobbit: An Unexpected Journey. Seven, Brave. Six, The Amazing Spider-Man. Five, Twilight: Breaking Dawn Part Two. Four, Skyfall. Three, Hunger Games. Two, Dark Knight Rises. And number one, The Avengers. Wow. Yeah, I was. I thought that was very interesting. I wonder what the uh, international. If I was doing all the films like internationally, what what other films that would have looked like? But I just was like, no, let's keep it domestic. That's most likely. There's going to be some random films in that international pool. I would I would imagine. 
even back 10 years ago, there was very little uh, original content in that list. Pretty much. Yeah, we have what's the all sequels. We got a sequel there. We had a biopic sequel, sequel, start of a franchise, another start of a franchise, the Snow White franchise, franchise, franchise. Lorax is probably, but that's based off a book. It's Disney animated and Dr. Seuss. Yeah. Yeah. Every there's known commodity. Yeah, every movie in this is a sequel or a start of a, se- a franchise I, in this list. Yeah, but I mean, Lincoln, some of them, maybe. some of them that you say start a franchise, you could say is original. Like Ted is about as original as you get. Yeah, that's and there, was just, the, there was just mm-hmm. a sequel to it. That's yeah, and then I guess Wreck-It Ralph. Take, yeah, that's a that's, that's a, a new that's thing. A, that's a new one. Hotel Transylvania. That's a kind of a Dracula franchise, which is like up to four films now, I think. But right. Yeah, there, there's some interesting choices here, but yeah, definitely really top heavy with the superhero movies and James Bond. I like to see the James Bond love. Oh, yeah. Well. Oh, especially Skyfall. Yeah. All right. Well, that's uh, I wanted to just go over that box office with you. So a uh, great job. <laughs> um, thanks. Anyway, I thanks again for being on the episode, Terry. Really appreciate it. Had a lot of fun, man. Yeah, it was good. It was good. All righty. And uh I guess what's new on the podcast that we, for you guys that we should be checking out or listening to what stuff have you been doing recently? I guess. Yeah. Well, as, uh, as we're recording, so this will be probably a few days old by the time you hear this, uh, our latest episode is out episode 199 where we review. She said, and, Mm -hmm. uh, do a deep dive, uh, celebrating the 20th anniversary of the Vin diesel classic triple X which Heck was yes. a ton of fun. And um, I believe Todd said, for some reason, we all have an irrational love of that movie. And it's just, it is so much better than it has any right to be. Yes. It's so, really uh, good. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a great movie. So, uh, yeah. so check that out. Uh, What's number 200 going to be about? Yeah. And yeah, that was episode 199. So episode 200, we've got coming up uh that we're recording uh very soon that will be out next week it is uh we're reviewing the fablemans uh the new steven spielberg best picture front runner and deep diving super bad so that should be good too we also have the sideshow where um we just did the season finale of season two of barry and we're getting ready to ramp back up and uh and do season three so all that all that's happening we got a lot going on dude yeah it's it's great uh obviously you guys saw a daily notes dropped a journey with spielberg those are gonna be special episodes now other than the fablements because that's gonna be different but mm-hmm. um and then yeah it's really fun so next next week's podcast let me pull it up we're gonna kick off december with 2002 movies and i will be doing a first time watch on infernal affairs killer joe and revisiting spirited away so really fun episode next week. I just watched Spirited Away for the first time, and the other two I haven't seen. So that'll be a good episode. Yes, it would be. So, all right. Until next time, guys, have fun at the movies, and we'll talk to you later. Later.